Hey everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. And today we are in John chapter 2. John is open with this powerful prologue declaring Christ as the eternal Word of God, who is God and has come and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and made known the fullness of the revelation of God through Him. In John the Baptist, we saw that Jesus is the eternal Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And through the first calling of the disciples, that He indeed is the Messiah. And that through Him, heaven has invaded earth. The Creator invading His creation. And now, in chapter 2, we will see the opening portions, these opening signs of the declaration that He indeed is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Word of God, God in the flesh. John writes, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mothers and his brothers and his few disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So let's go ahead, and we're going to stop right here for now. So at a wedding in Cana, we are told that Jesus performs his first sign. And that is he turns water into wine at his mother's request. Now the story resonates with the promises of divine generosity and plenty in the messianic age. Other overtones abound as well though. The six jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing are now transformed into wine flagons, right? And the master of ceremonies comments that the best wine has only now appeared. All this points to the fact of Jesus' renewal and transformation of the Jewish world, revealing Jesus' glory and evoking the disciples' faith. Not only that, but wine itself, right, is symbolic of eternal life in God's kingdom. New wine is symbolic of the realities that the new covenant has now broken into it. The old water which was there and was part of symbolism, ritual washing, ceremonial washing, has now been exchanged for a glorious new wine for those to partake in. Indeed, the best wine has come at the latter age, and that latter age has been ushered in by the coming of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whipping a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. 
And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about a man, for he himself knew what was in man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So the next scene we have here is the cleansing of the temple, which reaches the same conclusion, but through a very different route. Once again, it's about revealing the glory of Christ and bringing people to belief. We see that constantly throughout John, and that's the purpose it was written, that you might believe in Jesus, the Son of God. right? And so all of these signs are for the revelation of his glory and for the belief of his people. So in this, right, in Jesus comes to Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, this is the first of three Passovers in this gospel, those three Passovers marking the three years of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus drives out money changers, traders, and animals from the temple courtiers. Now, the, the famous scene, which in the Synoptical Gospels comes towards the end of the story, um, Jesus here is, is, explains why he does it. Now, the question should be, what is going on here, right? Has, has John gotten the order wrong here? Um, what is happening? Well, there's two different arguments, right? So where Matthew, Mark, and Luke report the cleansing of the temple in the week of Jesus' crucifixion, um, I believe that this actually is a second incident. I believe that Jesus inaugurates his temple cleansing with or excuse me, he inaugurates his ministry with temple cleansing, and he will close it with temple cleansing. And I think that this is a, a, a powerful reality that is is laid forth in this. I think this is a different incident and not the same. And I think that this goes to show, right, the, the nature in which the, the Messiah comes to inaugurate his ministry as coming to cleanse the temple. And when he returns at the end of his ministry and sees the continual action, uh, that is why uh, the judgment that he declares over Jerusalem when he weeps over it is so just because he is clearly displaying that they have continued to reject him when all of the signs of his life should have led them to faith. So the the two cleansings, which I think are there, and and, and maybe you still say there's only one cleansing, uh, even if that is the case. John has put it here, not to mark chronology, but to simply depict another sign of the glorious nature of of the coming of the God-man and his purpose in establishing a true and faithful worship for his Father. Uh, but I, I think that the best um, estimation for the reason for these two cleansing concepts or the fact that I think they are two 
different incidents. Jesus inaugurates his ministry with a temple cleansing and he will close it with one. And so he cleanses the temple, right? And, he, and, and the reason why he does so is because these individuals, these money changers, right? They have turned the outer court there, which would have been the court of the Gentiles. They've turned it into this, basically this marketplace. And remember, the Lord's house was to be a house of prayer for all the nations. It was to be a place where all the nations could come and behold their creator, the one true God, Yahweh. And these outer courts now, instead of it being a place of worship, it will be it has become a place of just trade and marketplace and for money changers and others to take advantage of others there is no solemnity there there is no worship there and christ is utterly uh, disgusted by that and he comes and what's remarkable is both in this account and in the latter cleansing to come at the end of his ministry so many people expected the messiah to come and cleanse the temple excuse me, cleanse the temple of the Gentiles, right? We got to get them out of here. And rather what Jesus does is he actually cleanses the temple for the Gentiles. Because what he will do when he actually goes and destroys the temple, talking about his body and raise it up, is rather than there being outer courts and inner courts, he makes a single court where all those in him are brought into the presence of God. And the presence of God is brought into them, that they, as they are connected to him, the chief cornerstone, they themselves become the temple of God, a temple which he is still building this day. He is the eternal son of David, who was building a house for the Lord, which will stand forever. And if you are in Christ, you are a living stone being built up daily in that glorious house. And the key way to know whether or not you are in him And whether or not you are in that glorious temple that is being built by Christ, is do you believe? Do you believe in Him? Have you beheld the glory of the Son of God? And have you believed that He alone is our Lamb of God? He alone is our Savior. He alone is our King. He alone is our Ruler. He alone is the cornerstone by which all of God's eternal kingdom is being built upon and to be apart from him is to be separated from eternity oh that you would see these signs the glorious reality that new wine has come in christ the greater wine the better wine that that the ceremonial washings and cleansings have been exchanged for glorious new wine to partake of that Christ has, has brought in a pure worship and has bought for himself a pure people as he has destroyed his temple, his body, raised it up so that all who are connected to him will forever stand in worship in the house of the Lord forever. And they themselves indeed have become the house of the Lord. Oh, that you would see these glorious signs and you would believe in Jesus, trusting him alone, and being moved by his glory. What a Savior we have. Isn't he wonderful? God bless.